As the sun rose over Barclay Square, the May sunshine drifted through the blinds in the Mount Street flat two blocks west. The rays fell across the face of Sandy Kinsolving, waking him as if they had been the bell of an alarm clock. He lay on his back naked and blinked a couple of times. Oriented, he turned to his right and moved toward the woman next to him. He shaped himself to her back and pressed his groin against her soft buttocks, and he felt the stirring come. She gave a soft moan and responded, pushing against him. In a moment she was wet, and he entered her, moving slowly, enjoying the early morning moment. The phone rang, the loud, insistent jangling that only an older British phone could make. He cursed under his breath and, without stopping the motion, reached across her and lifted the receiver. Hello, he said hoarsely. It's Joan. She waited for him to respond. He still did not stop moving. Yes, he said finally. Then he became more alert. What time is it in New York? Nearly 2 a.m. What's wrong? Daddy has had a stroke. He stopped moving, wilting like a violet in the hot sun. How bad? They don't know yet, but at his age. Jock Bailey was 91. I'll get myself on a flight as soon as the office opens. Where is he? Lenox Hill. I'm calling from there. I'll let the New York office know what flight I'm on. Albert will meet you. You all right? Tired. You'd better go home and sleep. There's nothing you can do there. I suppose you're right. Laddie and Betty are here anyway. You should all go home and sleep. I will. I can't speak for Laddie. See you this afternoon. She hung up without saying goodbye. Sandy replaced the receiver. A little ball of apprehension had made a tight knot in his belly. Sandy, the woman said accusingly. You stopped. Sandy rolled onto his back. Sorry, love, I've just been put out of commission. Bad news? Yes, bad news. Illness in the family. I'm sorry. Thanks. I'd better get dressed. Do you mind breakfasting at home? I have to go to New York. Certainly, dear, she said, rising and heading for the bathroom. I'll just get a quick shower. Thanks. Sandy stared at his ceiling and tried to put a good face on all this. Jock wasn't dead yet. That was something, at least. Sandy took the lift down at eight o'clock and let himself into Cornwall and Company, the wine shop on the ground floor. He stood for a moment and watched the sunbeams cut little swaths through the dust in the air, which was in the process of gathering on the hundreds of bottles that lined the walls of the large shop. He walked to the rear of the shop and climbed the old circular staircase to the offices above. He set his briefcase on the desk in his little office and sat down heavily. As he did, the door from the first floor landing opened and Maeve O'Brien stepped into the offices. Maeve, he called out. She came to his office door. Yes, Mr. Kinsolving? Would you get me a seat on a flight to New York? The earlier, the better. Of course. I thought you were staying until next week, though. 
Old Mr. Bailey has had a stroke. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. I'll call the airlines. She hung up her coat and went to her desk. A few minutes later, Maeve was back. You're on the 11 o'clock. It was the earliest. I'll pick up your ticket from American Express. Sandy suddenly couldn't tolerate the office anymore. I'll pick it up myself. I could use a walk. As you wish. He let himself out the front door of the shop, locking it behind him, and walked slowly past the Connaught Hotel and toward Barclay Square. Even if Jock was still alive, at his age he couldn't come out of this hole. What would happen if he couldn't communicate, couldn't make his wishes known? Oh, Jesus. Sandy circumnavigated Barclay Square and started back up the south side of Mount Street, past the poulterers and the antique shops, past the tobacconist and the chemist, past his tailors. He remembered he had a fitting that morning. He stopped at the little American Express office as the manager was letting herself in.